Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and it's a cold, chilly Super Bowl Sunday here in uh, New York, and um, we're talking about a book today that is a historical novel. So, so when you read a Jane Austen novel or perhaps a sumptuous romance by the likes of the Bronte sisters, uh, you don't really read too much about food. Uh, you don't see characters swooning over memorable dinners or tastes that are new and interesting. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, as many a fan of historical fiction may know, there is a new generation of great writers capturing the time and era of Victorian England and beyond um, through a modern perspective and looking back into the details, um, perhaps unburdened by many of the the societal taboos, as many older writers may have been, and um, giving these characters from earlier times uh, a new life. So my guest today is Martine Bailey, and she is the author of her latest book. It's called An Appetite for Violets, and she's on the phone right now from the UK. How are you, Martine? Oh, I'm, I'm great. Thanks, Kathy. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and congrats on your novel. It's lovely. Thank you. And Thank you. So when I when I saw this book at first, I thought, okay, maybe it's a it's a long time historical fiction writer just kind of delving into the world of food for the first time. But then I learned that you're actually it was the other way around. <laughs> so you're a cook, and you have uh, what what is exactly your experience? Because I know you're you're uh, you've been a food writer, and you've written for many uh, well, publications. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm an amateur cook who um, you know really kind of had two parallel interests mm-hmm. in that I um, I tended to, to enter uh, cookery contests. That's how I got into it, wow. and particularly with baking and, um, you know, foreign food. I, it was just something that, that grew on me, and a I hobby. was lucky enough to, to win a merchant gourmet competition. And um, the prize was a, a cookery course in Provence in France. So that was a bit of a dream come true, and, wow. and it, it really deepened my interest in, in French food. So I was, I, was, I was doing that, and I was also, you know, interested in writing, mm-hmm. but it took a, uh, you know, an encounter with some old recipes at a country house in England to, to give me a story, really. Oh. Well, that's fascinating. Um, one of the unique things about your novel is that our heroine... Biddy is mm. a she's a servant. So unlike a lot of the heroines, um, you know, during this age that you're writing about 18th century Europe, um, you know, people didn't write it. You know, people generally wrote about the the upper classes. 
Um, but not only is she a, ser- a servant, but she is an undercook at uh, at her master's home. What exactly is an undercook? Well, there is uh, another cook there, an older mm-hmm. woman, um, Mrs. Garland, who is in a way Biddy's mentor and um, advises her really because. Um, but Biddy's quite a feisty person, mm-hmm. and she's she's very ambitious, and she is obsessed with cooking <laughs> and learning about cooking. Yeah. So, um, so that's that's really um, how where Biddy is at the start of the book. Yeah. Yeah, and she's kind of thrust into it, but but actually has a, a huge passion for cooking, and she dreams of uh, one day, um, you know, getting married and opening her own tavern where she can cook. Is that That's a real? Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I mean that that was just a you know a, a really quite modest ambition I, mm-hmm. I I felt and obviously as a novelist it's I an... wanted to expose her to you know a, a lot more um, right. you know interests and, and adventures really so she gets caught up in a journey to uh, to Italy. Yes. So this book is it's really fun. It's not all about food. Um, she. Uh, ends up with a very interesting new mistress and uh, ends up posing as her mistress at some points and getting into all sorts of trouble. So I don't want to give it away too much, but uh, of course I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know if I could. But <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really it's really lovely, and it is very gripping. Um, so much, and there's a lot of humor, too, in these characters um, from the perspective of Biddy who is sort of caught in the middle of all this drama. Um, so, so you mentioned she goes, uh, she's you know based in England, but she goes on a trip to Italy. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems that that is where she really discovers that cooking, unlike in England, cooking has become a bit more of a, a, a skilled profession. Mm, that's it, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, what, I mean, it, fascinated me to look into the history of, of cookery and, and also try and, you know, learn uh, to to do it. But, um, no, in fact, Britain at that time, although it had a good cuisine, I mean, better than I suppose we think it, it might have done, good mm. pies, great roast beef, lots of puddings. It was famous for puddings. Um, yeah. Baby gets exposed to, you know, much more interesting food once she crosses the channel and, um, you know, she, she kind of walks into this time in French food when, you know, things like, um, you know, the, the stocks and the bouillons were being developed and, and mm. great, great chefs were were coming onto the scene. And also, uh, you know, the, the concept of restaurant the concept? was being yeah. invented. So she sees that and, um, you know, is, being the character she is, is very excited by that. So um, everywhere, you know, on the journey, because there's, there's a map, as, as you've seen at the front of the book, she goes from France, and then they uh, cross this incredibly dangerous and quite frightening um, obstacle, which is the, the Alps, covered uh-huh. in snow, which were very frightening at the time, and passes into Italy and, and again, you know, finds wonderful food. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I- if I may, I wanted to read a charming, charming passage about that um, that point in time in this book. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, so she writes, "No, uh, this is coming from Biddy, so you write. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, I decided I would not stand over a, f- a roasting fire in the Italian heat to make the charred roast so famed in England. I wanted to try dainty Italian fare, 
and bought spicy bologna sausage, pink papery hams, hard white bread, and chalky cheeses. I also bought the makings of a macaroni pie I'd seen made at an inn, and a new sort of green stuff named broccoli that proved a good deal tastier than cabbage. <laughs> so just, yeah, really just discovering other vegetables other that. than cabbage yeah. is really funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I, I mean, I had to read so much, mm. and you know, I think what what sometimes frustrated me is that although there are lots of fantastic diaries and letters yeah. written by travellers, they don't write enough about food. Oh. So, but occasionally someone would say, I tried this amazing thing called broccoli, and they spell it B-R-O-K-K-O-L-Y or something, you know. And they couldn't believe that there were these other foods, you know, because Britain was very much, you know, yeah. meat and bread and cheese and pies. Well, so, sounds, uh, yeah. It sounds like you really had to dig deep to find these details, and it's good to know that broccoli ha- has always been one of the most misspelled words. <laughs> That's true, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, so interesting. So when, um, you know, when she is discovering that Italy is quite ahead of the curve, um, well, at least from England, in creating, uh, I guess, uh, gastronomy, Mm. um, more of an art with food, that is, um, she, it seems to me, reading this, that a lot of the um, chef's, are, are men, whereas mm. she, you know, was thrust into being a cook like her, like her master cook, who was also a woman. And it was just sort of like, it seems sort of like any old servant would be thrust into being the cook in England mm. as, mm. you know, just as th- they would be I, thrust into cleaning or, or whatever, yeah, something else. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, thought I of. Think, <laughs> I, I think probably not that dissimilar to recent times mm. everywhere, um, you know, men tended to be more esteemed as cooks, particularly French cooks, but generally cooks. And men, when I looked at, you know, had to look at how much people were paid, men were paid a great deal more than women. Mm. So, um, in fact, you know, her ambitions really are quite high too. And even, you know, even towards the end of the book, you know, um, now I can't really give too much away, but Mm. she works with a man. So, um, because it really would have been very difficult at that in in that patriarchal society yes. really to uh to have to have got one of the top jobs it, yeah it yeah. would have been highly unusual and i guess you know a lot of us had have seen babette's feast and that was about yeah. an unusually talented mm. and well-regarded french chef who was a woman mm. um it, it seems like Still, you know, in the professional world, cooking was a man's mm. job, but in the yeah. home world, cooking was a yeah. woman's job. And and what fascinated me, though, was that there was a reaction against that, particularly in Britain, where women began to write cookery books. So mm-hmm. I used, um, you know, quite quite a few Mrs. Glass, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Raffled, wrote at books and that really... Um, talked about the real food that, yes. that that was cooked in kitchens and they became very popular so there was there was a good reaction against against that and particularly against french cookery and and against men <laughs> <laughs> and all their haughtiness um yes yes 
So, yeah, and you capture this this tradition of keeping uh, sort of like home cookbooks, household, yes. household yes. books of recipes. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, and that's a theme throughout this book. Tell me more about those. That, is, that, that was very much the inspiration mm. for the book, that I was in a country house kitchen, a lovely old kitchen, and I saw the recipes, and, and they were obviously handwritten by a woman, and um, I, I, I just started from that journey and started to look at the archives and saw that when women got married, or particularly of a certain wealth, um, they were given a household book in which their you know, mothers, servants, cooks would write um, advice and uh, recipes or mm-hmm. receipts, as they were called then, so they're all in different handwriting. They're a bit like a scrapbook. And I think that really was the um, the concept that I mm-hmm. wanted to have yeah. for Biddy, that she has this old household book called The Cook's Jewel, mm-hmm. which is a common sort of name for that kind of mm-hmm. you know, beautiful book. And I think uh, what really inspired me, Cathy, was that when you look at these books, they're really the first marks that you're going to find very often written by women because women didn't write much at all. And sometimes you see very poignant things like handwriting practice. They're trying to write, you know, the the first ever words, and they're about food. Mm -hmm. So that was was very much the the starting point for me, that uh, women had tried to write these recipes as gifts for other people to share. For their house. women's community really and yeah. and that's timeless too i mean who doesn't have like family scrapbooks of recipes mm. um mm. from moms yeah <laughs> and grandma and, and i wanted to communicate that power that those old recipes have you know if you right. open your grandmother's cookery book or your mother's and you know there's the grease blotted and <laughs> There's something, mm-hmm. you know, more than about how to make a dish no. in that. as something that's, um, you know, very special. It's made with, it's written with love. Um, yes. I, I thank you so much. I think you've done a great service by shining a, a light on this, you know, with all the food history that we know. It's um, especially of this time, you know, 17th, 18th century it mm. tends to be more of like the grand cuisine and things w- mm. that would be recorded by brilliant people like like Briad Severin um, yes. and all those fancy foods but this is actually real food that people were eating and uh, it was harder you. harder perhaps to track down but you did it so thank you yeah so we're going to cut to yeah. a quick little commercial interlude and we'll be chatting lots more listening to Lucky 7 by Mamarazzi. National Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, 
restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Hey, we're back chatting more with Martine Bailey, the author of An Appetite for uh, Violets. <laughs> um, so we were just talking about the tradition of household books of recipes. And um, throughout, your, throughout this novel, we have sprinkled in little entries written by our heroine, Biddy. And they're sort of like shorthand recipes. Um, and we get to see a glimpse of, the, uh, of uh, those household books. Um, you know, recipes like fig pie. Uh, then there's macaroni pie, uh, farcement pudding. Um, mm. What is, what that's is a that? Bit more, that's a bit more unusual. Farcement. At, at, at that point in the book, um, Biddy and, and her, the, her fellow travellers are crossing the Alps. Mm-hmm. So they're um, holed up in the snow uh, trying to get over to Italy. And there's a wedding, and I'm always very interested in weddings and, and rites of passage like that because food is, of course, you know, very much linked to that and, um, you know, special food. So yeah. that farcement pudding is, uh, I think in the book it says something like, you know, it's, it's made from the memories of old women. It, it says so, a dish for a wedding made from the memories a, of old women in the mountains of Savoy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's... It's um, you know potatoes and bacon and dried fruit and things. Sounds very, very big, interesting. Big, uh, big, very big, great pudding. <laughs> um, so um, again, but again, one theme there is that those women who lived in the mountains, almost everything had to be preserved. Right. Like okay. a lot of food, even in Britain, you know, so bacon and dried, dried fruits, dried and currants. I see. Yeah. This is an yes. interesting recipe. Yeah, so I don't, I haven't actually eaten that, but um, <laughs> I'm not sure if they still make it. Well, but, I, I think mm. I think it's really charming to to read about these older recipes. And um, first of all, I love that they're just written. There, it's not like this formulaic list mm. of ingredients mm. with the exact mm. measurement. It's just sort of a a paragraph um, that describes what you do, um, and you know, it's usually inspired by somebody else than you know some t- some place in time that you tried it so that's why these recipes are peppered with a little little bit more than just uh mm. instruction mm. I, I, I love the fact that they're so fluid really yeah. in that they're not formulaic just exactly as you say they're they i think they rely on the fact that people could cook and mm-hmm. had, had learned Definitely. from watching other people so they're almost like aid memoirs in a way. Right. And sometimes, you know, they're so vague. I made, um, you know, soul cakes is, is soul? early on for soul cakes, S-O-U-L. Okay. For a, an event called Souling, which was <laughs> held on All Hallows' Eve. And that's a very, very old recipe. And to be honest, looking at the recipe, um, you wouldn't know how to make it unless you know perhaps you were used to making biscuits and cakes a lot okay so uh, yeah that's it's you know it's fascinating it, it assumed a certain experience or just a little bit of common sense know-how around the kitchen 
But, yeah. you know, it wasn't very long ago that recipes all weren't written sort of in this memoir-like way. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if it doesn't weaken our ability to just kind of think on our own feet in the kitchen more, yeah. that recipes are so exact. Yes, um, yes. And I think we can be very fearful sometimes, <laughs> can't we, that, you know, we're not getting it oh quite gosh, right. Oh, my gosh, I have the... I did two tablespoons instead of, you know, two teaspoons. (laughs) Oh, I know. I mean, you see it on websites, people saying, but can I use this different sort of salt? You know, you think, yes, of course, (laughs) you can make it, you know, as as you, uh, very often, what I like, often they have names attached to those old Mm -hmm. recipes, though it's, you know, Biddy's best method or, you know... yeah, it's and and which shows that you know there are lots of ways of making lots of wonderful things. It it is, and it's a it's like relics too because you get to find mm. very interesting things like the, you know the preserved food tradition that was that was pretty mm. cool. Oh, and here's I I was really fascinated. You know, going in this time in uh, this time seventeen hundreds, um, particularly France. You mentioned that it was like the time of the birth of the restaurant. Yeah. And as I recall, I did some digging into this topic uh, for a book I wrote once, too. Mm. Um, Most restaurants, and it's called restaurant because it means restore, that's a root word, they were meant to have these medicinal effects to the food. Yes, yeah. So it wasn't just, yeah. So it was supposed to strengthen, so it was was a little (laughs) alchemy-esque. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's what's amazing, isn't it, that... This thing, a restaurant, you know, this mm-hmm. this little cup of bouillon or whatever, is has become something so amazingly Normal. popular and Normal. and uh, <laughs> and. But I think the clever thing about it, and I'm sure we've read the same book on it, is that um, the history of the restaurant. You know, it was this this <laughs> idea about you know having a menu for the first time, yes. having a separate bill, and then you realise. Yes, before that day, you were just sort of all sitting around a table. Yep. And um, from style. what I can gather from complaints people made, you know, whether you, if you arrived last and you just got the last bits, you were, you were charged the same as the people who'd, you know, had the more select cuts. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, yeah, I, I must say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed all the yeah. research. Yeah. yeah, and and it led to um, a, a funny um, dinner that is recalled um, by Biddy. This is at a point where she's pretending that she is uh, her mistress, and yeah. with a certain uh, very interesting character named Mister Loveday. Anyway, he is mm. obsessed with having this viper stew mm. Mm. <laughs> because he is believes. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna promote his virility or something. Yeah, I think. Well, that's that's. I came across that as a true, um, you know, aphrodisiac or rejuvenator, um, which was it's horrible, isn't it? To to drown vipers in wine, (laughs) and um, you know, and then that that one I have to say I haven't made and I would never make, (laughs) but it's it it's. You know, I mean, it's true. I mean, people were always, I think, you know, looking for ways to yes. keep themselves young and virile. And uh, yeah, it seems uh, like it was telling of this preoccupation um, of of the the raison d'être of restaurants was really mm. about 
trying to achieve mm. certain things physically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But don't you think, you know, it, it just shows people have never changed. Right. And, I mean, it's so different from the goal of, of homemade food in the home kitchen, mm. which is to yeah. nourish and yeah. sustain. Well, yes, yeah. that's right, to sustain and nourish, yeah. Rather yeah. than vipers. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And certainly, yeah, one thing sometimes when I read, you know, the bills of fare, as they called them, you know, and you think, oh, that food. But then you, you remember that, you know, they were so much more active than us mm. and out walking and riding and, you know, they, they yeah. weren't sitting at their computers. <laughs> There's a lot of cream and everything and rich butter. Oh, I know. Butter. I, I mean, I don't think it was particularly healthy. I mean, people did mm-hmm. also drink tremendous amounts of alcohol. Yeah. Um, but partly, I, I believe, to stay warm, you know, because it was cold and there was no central heating. Right. Uh, so you find a lot of sort of late night drinks and things, you know, full of alcohol and All right. to, to stay warm. Well, it, it is very interesting. And I wonder if Vipers won't be making uh, any com- mm. a comeback anytime soon. But yeah. certainly those, I guess... I guess the the luxurious uh, nature of, of fine dining has has remained quite the same. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, so many of these recipes or tidbits about food throughout this book made me really interested. Um, there's a, a recipe called roti souffle. Mm-hmm. That sounds mm-hmm. just great. And uh, the note here is a most remarkable dish for lightness and flavor. Mm-hmm. It's written I, by Biddy. Yeah, I think what I wanted to show there was it's the first time Biddy sees a souffle, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know, because that it's, would be such a, a, a French concept. Uh, yeah. I mean... It's very impressive um, looking, know. too. I mean, it's quite yeah. unlike anything I mean, it else sounds, texture. You know, it's, it's, a, it's another level, isn't it? Yeah. Compared to, you know, a meat pie. <laughs> so, Puddings. Um, yeah. And so, you know, she's this concept of using, you know, egg white to, to really lighten things. You know, I suppose you've got, you know, someone had to invent it, didn't they? It's, yeah. It's very refined. And, um, yeah, she figures out how to make it. It mm. kind of leads her on this path. Um, mm. And then there's something else. There's a burnt, what is this, burnt toast burnt recipe. Toast tea, yes. Burnt well, toast tea. Uh, her, her mistress is uh, uh, having stomach problems. Um, her mistress is pregnant. I mean, okay. that's not, not such oh. a big reveal. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, as in, um, you know, the, the whole mythology of... Um, morning sickness, uh, you know, to, that people like charcoal coal and things like that, mm-hmm. that there was a remedy for this rather vile thing, which involves burning toast and then using the black uh, to make a sort of tea. Does that work? But I, <laughs> I, I, I suspect it might have worked if, mm-hmm. if, because people, I mean, I've come across people taking charcoal tablets for oh. digestion. Oh. I know. But, you know, I think, you know, sometimes we think, oh, that sounds sort of ghastly. But um, they're probably, I'd say not all, but a certain proportion of their remedies probably did work. Yeah. Well, it doesn't um, seem like it could do harm either. No, no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe carcinogenic in large quantities, but uh, 
Yeah, so I, I, you know, obviously I was on the lookout for interesting recipes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many fascinating, just little rich details like that throughout this book that I could, I just want to eat this book up. I know that that's oh, really cliche, but... <laughs> oh, thank you. And I must say, you know, I'm very pleased with the American edition. It's got lovely... Oh, is it um, Americanized? Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, oh. it's got lovely <laughs> recipe, uh, you know, borders and things. Very nice, yeah. Well, throughout reading it, it sounded pretty British to me, the diction and, and so forth. So mm. I, I felt like I was on, I was like, kind of in a vacation uh different land while reading it oh, so oh that's great that's 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 wonderful well that's about all the time we have for today but um really really great work um i can't wait to see what you do next you plan on writing oh, another you. um novel yes i am i'm writing a novel also about a cook um but it's darker Ooh. uh so uh, it's very I, I was very thrilled to um have the uh, reaction that I'd started a new genre, culinary gothic. <laughs> Wonderful. So the new one's very <laughs> culinary gothic. Wow. So in, in uh, so, 50 or so years, we're going to be talking about Martine Bailey, the, the mother of, <laughs> of culinary gothic. No, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so the new one's uh, very gothic and, um, as I say, also about a cook. Fantastic. I can't wait to yeah. check it out. Thank well, congrats you. again, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>